Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Tate. We have a great show for you this week. The main event is Argentinian wonder worker Martin Braesas discussing with me the rich history of magic in Argentina. Nick Lacapo stops by the show to discuss the feature product of the week from Anthony Owen. Before all of that, we kick off the show with one of our quickfire segments where your favorite magicians tell me their top five tricks, and usually it's in under five minutes. But when you have an incredible guest like Axel Hecklau, how can you limit him to just five minutes? Axel Hecklau, join me via Zoom for the top five under five. Axel Hecklau, thanks so much for joining me here on the Penguin Magic Podcast for the top five under five. Let's hear your top five tricks in under five minutes, and these can be in no particular order. Axel, give me number five. Oh, that's in five minutes. That's very, very uh, difficult. <laughs> uh, let's say first, uh, just a cup. It's my one cup routine with a dice and a leather cup. Uh, it's my bread and butter routine for table hopping and um, and situation. I saw this in your lecture. It's a wonderful routine, and it made me rethink a lot of chop cup work I was doing. It's 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 gorgeous. Yeah, it's uh, the difference. I, I I love the cups and balls, but I, but I never uh, put up a relationship between me and mm-hmm. the cups. So I was very happy that I found uh, a kind of chop cup because it's not a chop cup. It's mm-hmm. it's an unprepared cup and a die, so they have a relationship to each other and. Uh, the, the the cheetah theme is is built in and um, yeah my technique is a little bit different so I have the full flexibility and I can jam with people um, depends on their uh, reactions I can change the routine a little bit and um, yeah it's gr- it's, it's re- absolute practical thing and I perform it for years and years and years it's really great and anyone listening to this should check it out in Axel's wonderful lecture all right hit me with number four. Um, um, it's the linking rings. Really? The classic, the, li- the classic linking rings, seven rings. I have a seven ring routine and I just brought out a masterclass on it. Uh, unfortunately, only in German. So I'm working currently on the English version. <laughs> and it's a two and a half hour download. It will be. Wow. And um, it, it's in two parts. Uh, first part is my routine, Seven Rings. Why I do it like I do it? Because I think um, you always see explanation of the linking rings, only the mechanic moves, mm-hmm. but never what it means. Why, how you have to structure a routine with the linking rings and uh, the, the dramaturgy and and everything else the whole theory the, uh, you you don't find it in print so mm-hmm. so even even divern don't explain yeah. uh, much about theory about the linking rings and i think the linking rings are the perfect uh, one of the perfect uh, uh, tricks you can do you can do it everywhere under any circumstances big small uh, yeah underwater in the desert uh, no problem and um, you have a multiple phase routine that you can build up. The only disadvantage is you have always the same effect. Mm-hmm. So you have really k- take care about why you do which move at w- what moment so it can build up. So this uh, I will cover on my masterclass. And I have a new approach to mm. it. I have plenty of moves that are totally silent. Mm. So, but not silent as Richard Ross, um, with music and elegant and slow, but uh, in in full motion. So, s- quite fluent motions, mm-hmm. and you expect a clink, 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 and there's never a sound. And this makes uh, um, 
is even stronger. So I, I found out after 30 years of performing it, this is a new step, a new level of, of the linking rings. And uh, yeah, I love them. I've uh, always th this, this would be the trick that I uh, never, never put out of my show. Oh man, I've, I've always been fascinated watching people's linking ring routines and hearing the, the theory behind it is, is I'm sure fascinating. But let's move on, give me number three. Number three is just easy cube. It's my cube routine um, with this with a Rubik's cube. Um, in my routine, uh, what I did, in, it's part of my FISM act. So uh, spectator shuffles the cube and uh, I put it in a, in a bag and the spectator reach into the bag, shuffles the cube. I destroy the, the, the bag out of, around his hands and he holds uh, the solved cube in his hand. And that's most people's mind. Watched the routine yesterday on video, and I have honestly no idea how it works, and it is frustrating because I know how a lot of cube magic works, and you just you present me all these options and you take them away, and it is it is the irritating in the best way. Let's move on. It's so it's so good. People should check out Easy Cube. So my 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 next one is yeah. uh, Stand Up Monty by uh, Garrett Thomas. Oh, absolutely, the single best version of Wild Card that will ever be. <laughs> it's so good. Do you yeah, do you perform it? I, I, uh, the fascinating thing on that for, for me is, uh, if you're not in the fluent in the in the choreography of performing the routine, mm -hmm. uh, you can fool yourself and you're absolutely lost. Oh yeah, it's... <laughs> because this is so confusing. Uh, the principle behind it, so simple and so versatile, and uh, you, yeah, it's. Uh, I, I really really love. Uh, this, this stand-up Monty, and I have only the best uh, experience on, on performing it out if you, uh, in the real world. There, I think there's a lot to learn about magic performance in, th in general from studying what Garrett has done with stand-up Monty. But let's close it out with number one. Yeah, that's um, my, my first uh, um, thing that I love most is always the thing I'm working on. Mm -hmm. So because I'm so <laughs> in uh, uh, this topic and... Uh, Currently, I'm, I'm at the very beginning of, of working on two things. Uh, first, I have a Zoom show since December, and um, the great thing on, on that is you, you can create magic with a total different view uh, on it. So you have a fixed view from the camera. So uh, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm working on anamorphic illusions. Ooh. So uh, this is a very interesting field and i came up because i saw some youtube videos of artists uh, doing anamorphic drawings uh, but i'm not the first one who, who came up with the idea for magic uh, zoom shows uh, i just saw um, um, what is her name um i forgot it um is it uh, carissa Hendricks? darling uh, here um, lucy darling Lucy Darling, you know, uh, she, she has an uh, anamorphic illusion mm -hmm. in her uh, show as well, uh, and it's so deceptive, it's so great. And but I don't want it just to have an object and say no, mm -hmm. it's not an object. I want to have a routine, something where mm -hmm. it makes sense that that it disappears or use it as a te trick technique, so you never show the illusion. Mm -hmm. uh, one idea was to make the the uh, passing bottle. Uh, you have a glass uh -huh. and a bottle and those yeah. two things and the bottle uh, the, the glass is never real you can use a, 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 a whiskey uh, um, bottle that is flat for instance where 
the, the, yeah. the glass doesn't fit in or so. Some ideas in, in that direction. It's fascinating to me. And the other thing is um, to 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 adapt my my tossed out deck version. Ooh. I have one called Mind Visit, mm -hmm. uh, where I can address each person which card they really think, uh, because I have a special way of fishing and combination of trick cards and everything. So it's I think it's seven mixed principles mm -hmm. to that tossed out deck, and. Um, you cannot toss out a deck in a Zoom show. Yeah. So I, I think about uh, a way how I can use my fishing techniques and so in a Zoom show with a special way of let people pick a card. That's, so, I, um, I can't wait to see what you're doing with the tossed out deck on a Zoom show because I love the tossed out deck myself and uh, adapting yeah. it for the current times we're in has always been a bit of a challenge for me, especially with the routine that I do. And uh, I'm really interested to see what you come up with. Axel, thanks so much for joining me for the top five under five. Those were five, seven really great uh, routines that people should definitely check out. Thanks to Axel for joining me on the show. Be sure to check out his Penguin Live. It's loaded with amazing magic like his Chop Cup with just a cup and his tips on adding music to your show at just the right moment. On to the main event. Martin Bryasas is one of my new favorite magicians. It's no secret that I've fallen in love with the magic coming out of South America, and meeting Martin and hosting his lecture was a real treat. He's won prizes in major competitions, including FISM. Martin and I got to talking between filming his incredible tricks about the rich history of magic in Argentina, which he shared with me. And now you get to join our conversation. Martin Bryasas, thank you so much for joining me here on the Penguin Magic Podcast. Uh, we just finished an amazing lecture and filming a whole bunch of very cool products, but you are from Argentina, and right. we have spent days talking about the rich magic heritage of Argentina. That's right. And I, ha I have to say, every time anyone comes up here from South America, they crush it, whether it's in the show or the lecture. Uh, but what is it about Argentina that makes it, that produces such wonderful magicians? Well, I think there is a lot of uh, different answers to that, and maybe one of the most powerful things is that we have a lot of time living in Argentina uh, for Fu Manchu, David, David Bamberg, right? So, oh, yeah. So uh, I think that's one of the main reasons, but also we have another great magician, for example, Tony Slidini also lived in Argentina. So imagine that, that's crazy. Did he really? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He came to Argentina from Italy with okay. one of his uncle and he lived there for a couple of years. And then of course he traveled all around the world, but Imagine, do, do, only, I only mentioned two people. Mm -hmm. And then also we have René Lavand yeah. and also we have Fantasio. So imagine, there's a lot of good culture in, in Argentina. But Fumanchu has a school in Argentina, you know. He has a, his own school in Argentina. So a lot of great magicians learn from one of the biggest uh, magicians of all history. Tell me a little bit about Fumanchu, because I, I have to be honest, I'm, I'm a little... I don't know as much about Fu Manchu as I probably should. <laughs> can you can you enlighten myself and our listeners about yes, that? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, sure. Uh, I I'm not much a guy of home history, but for Fu Manchu, uh, what I know is, for example, that why he was one of the best magicians of whole history because he learned from the biggest masters of all uh, time. For example, we know that he was son of Okito, right? Mm -hmm. Okito, and he was uh, from a dynasty from magicians. Mm -hmm. But he was in the show with Thurston. He was assistant of Thurston oh. in his show. And he studied 
in America. He studied in Europe. Then he came to uh, Argentina because mm. he was uh, the assistant of Raymond, the mm. magician Raymond. So he had to do a tour in South America. So he came to Argentina. <laughs> then uh, in South America, Raymond didn't go so well with the shows and he couldn't pay uh, Fu Manchu. At that time, he wasn't called Fu Manchu yet. He was mm. David Bamberg. So he decided to to escape yeah. but uh, he goes to Argentina because he loved the food he always said that Argentina has very good food mm -hmm. and it was very uh, cheap to eat in Argentina at that time and Dante was doing some shows in Argentina a hundred of shows 120 shows mm -hmm. and a producer uh, who, who knows about Dante said, oh this Dante is making a lot of money here in Argentina because he's doing big shows you know mm -hmm. so uh, Fu Manchu at that time David Banger mm -hmm. was uh, in a theater and this producer came to him and he asked him, can you do a show like Dante? It's possible for you to do a show like that? Mm -hmm. And David Bamberg at that time, I can do it, but you know, I don't have the, the, the items to do, big yeah. illusion or that. If you give me financial help, I can do that. Mm -hmm. And say, okay, let me think about it. He think about it. Fu Manchu gives a, an idea of what he would need. And after that, he makes one of the greatest shows ever, right? And he started to go all over South America. He go to Spain. Then he go to the United States. He had problems in the United States because the name Fu Manchu uh, was a name from a character, from a book. So, yeah. yeah. So he had to change it and he put a Fu Chan in the United yeah. States. Because isn't, if, if I'm not mistaken, isn't there some sort of controversy around at the time where he was sort of, he was putting on you know, Asian airs. He, he he was not an Asian performer, but he sort of pretended to be, did some uh, uh, yellow face and uh, some... Uh, exactly. He learned that from his father, I think, yeah. Okito. That is very interesting because... Uh, Things that would be distasteful at this time, but but it's it's important to acknowledge that he did do that, but there was he was still producing good magic. Of course, yes. Yeah. But the, the main reason that he dressed like that, mm -hmm. or his father dressed like that, it's very interesting because uh, Okito, when he was young, he has uh, an issue with his ear and he could and hear very well. So his father told told him, you will never go, be able to be a good magician because you cannot hear the people. So okay. it, that would be a very, it's a, it's a problem. And he thought, maybe I can took advantage from that. Mm -hmm. And what that he decided to do? He decided to dress like Oriental, like mm -hmm. Chinese people. So he didn't have to speak to the audience because... Oh, so it's sort of, he's he's trying to use this as like a, like a way to cover the fact that maybe he doesn't speak uh, exactly. even though he speaks English he can't hear them very well exactly. and so by trying to make it appear as though he you know was very clearly from a different <laughs> part of the world exactly mm -hmm. so that he covered that uh, problem that he had mm -hmm. and then of course Fu Manchu learned a lot about uh, his father that he traveled the world doing that and mm -hmm. he could travel in any country because he do musicals and he was dressed like that so no mm -hmm. problem with that and in Argentina uh, it was very funny to hear Fu Manchu they say because he speak uh, you know like a, a mix of Argentinian mm -hmm. European uh, language and also yeah. so he was very very funny but all people who saw that show say that it was it was amazing. Yeah, yeah. It, Even Vernon said that it was the best show he, he ever uh, saw. There's a you said there's a school from Fu Manchu. Yeah, he has a school in in Fu, Man, Fu Manchu found a school nowadays is not anymore. Uh, okay. But Bazar de Magia, you know, yes. bring the the, yeah. the name from there. First it was called Bazar Shanqi, then mm -hmm. Bazar de Magia, and they took you know the name from the 
main act of uh, Fumanchu that is called Bazaar de Magia, mm -hmm. where he was doing like a dealer, you know, that to do effect, to, to another customer, that kind of stuff. That was one of the biggest. So it's not even just like a, like a shop. This is like a formal school where yeah. people could go to learn magic. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. Was like this was around for quite some time in Argentina? Yes. Uh, he put the store, I think, 1961, more or less, when mm -hmm. he stopped doing the shows. He mm -hmm. put the school, and then he died. At, I remember here I have 1974. So mm -hmm. he had like a couple of years then, and then uh, his wife continued with that, with the shop and that, and well, then that school uh, closed. Mm -hmm. But nowadays in Argentina, you have a lot of magic school. Only in Buenos Aires, really? you have maybe six different schools, you know? Six different <laughs> schools where, yeah. where people actively go to learn magic. Exactly. That's uh, wild to me, because I just, I can't even imagine like what that would be like. Sorry to interrupt, but this week the show is brought to you by Miracle Monty from Anthony Owen. Nick Lacapo stopped by the studio to discuss this practically perfect packet trick. Nick, if there's one plot I like in card magic, it is definitely the Monty. Oh, yes, and, isn't that the truth? And one that I really like is Miracle Monty by Anthony Owen. It's a really, really cool little trick. This is one of those that just kind of, you know, I think we're about to inform some people on, on maybe their next favorite little packet trick. Yeah. To be carrying around, you know, this one I think flew under the radar, and here's what happens: it's you bring out like a little packet of blank cards, you know, blank front and back, and there's one face card, like the queen or the king or whatever you got. You put one of the blank cards away, like in your pocket, and then you go into, you know, and it's gonna feel very. If you followed magic at all, it's like one of these types of things where you show the king is on the front and then it's you put it, you can show it's also in the middle and you can show it's also on the bottom. And then you show that it's all there is only one king and the other two cards are blank. Then you put the king in the middle of the two blank cards and the, the spectator holds on to it and you show the other two cards are blank and then the card in their hand turns blank and now the king is completely vanished and it turns out to be the card that is in your pocket the entire time. This is a, a really, really cool trick uh, that Anthony Owen created. It was originally inspired by Annie Nyman. It's got some touches from Mark Paul in it. Uh, I believe um, Anthony had this published in his book prior to putting it out as a yeah, product with us. Yeah, I think most of his material is in that book. Mm -hmm. um, so I wouldn't be sh surprised if it's in there. It's which is it's Anthony Owen's book is a fantastic read. If you've never read Secrets by Anthony Owen, you should check it out. But Miracle Monty is really cool, and having it as a product is great because it does require some special cards, and then there's uh, some extra special stuff that makes uh, this thing, uh, the some of the moves happen. Uh, but, you know, you might not have as many, like, blank facers as, as this requires in your uh, in your home. So getting this, like, with all of the props that you need to go is a really, really great way to, do, uh, to purchase it and get into this trick. And it's, you know, Anthony teaches it. It's a really, really fun, really fun trick that I think a lot of people should be doing. Yeah, yeah. I just, you know, every time I watch, this is one of those. Whenever I see the video or I, I hear it brought up, I'm like, why, why am I? Why? Why do I not carry that with me? Yeah. Like, it, it, like I always rotate these tricks in and out all the time. You know, mm -hmm. people ask me all the time, like, what are what's my favorite packet trick or whatever. And honestly, I just kind of rotate them. You know. Yeah. Um, it's just I have a little wallet and I keep it with me and it just keeps it fun. Like sometimes when I have to do a trick, I reach in there and I don't even know what I'm going to find sometimes. <laughs> But like Miracle Bonnie's going right right into that rotation. I keep forgetting that I wanted to do this trick for a long time. It's strong. These tricks are really, really, really strong. Mm -hmm. And there's not any really difficult moves here at all. I know a lot of times these things require like 
weird like counts and things. I, I'm not a huge fan of that type of stuff, but this kind of eliminates a lot of that. No, it's and, it's uh, the it's the structure of the routine and the way he handles the gimmicks involved that you are like 10 steps ahead of your spectator. And so the moment that they think they have everything figured out, you just like hit them with a real left hook and they have yeah. no idea where that, where that Monte card is. And you don't have to do, there's nothing you have to do here. No. I mean, it's so easy. So uh, this is just a, a strong, strong trick. Yep. Miracle Monte by Anthony Owen. That was Miracle Monty by Anthony Owen, available at penguinmagic.com. As always, the fantastic listeners to this show receive 25% off our featured product of the week when you enter the discount code at checkout. This week, that code is blank. That's blank, B-L-A-N-K, for 25% off Miracle Monty when you enter that code at checkout. That code is only good for Miracle Monty and only good until the next episode of this show airs. Now, back to my conversation with Martin Braisas. Six different schools where yeah. people actively go to learn magic. Exactly. That's I- wild to me because I just, I can't even imagine like what that would be like. Because that just doesn't exist in the United <laughs> oh. States. Because people just sort of learn on their own. That's crazy. In in buen, only in Buenos Aires, mm-hmm. you have Henry Evans School, world mm-hmm. champion. Adrian yeah. Guerra School, world champion. <sighs> Mr. Tango, yeah. uh, also a FISIM award champion in invention. So yeah. imagine, then you have only three people who went to FISIM, who won prizes, and have their own school. So wow. that's that's crazy. What is, what is uh, have you have you attended a magic school yourself? Yes, yes, I studied in Mr. Tango School. You studied Mr. Tango? Yeah. What What is that like? Is it like a formal classroom environment? Or? A, yes, it's a formal class. You have one class uh, per week, two hours, that they give you at the end of the the class you have you know the paper where you see all the all the effects wow. you have four or five effects per class theory then you have time to rehearse then you have a gala to perform mm-hmm. to to the audience and it's really good and bar magico has a great advantage let's say because they also have a theater there mm-hmm. so imagine for me i study at bar magico so one of my dreams was, oh, when I will be big enough to work in the Bar Magico because it has the, the, the theater. And nowadays, I can say that I'm a very good friend from Mr. Tango and I work there usually, so I'm very, yeah. very glad. Is it, is, it, is it really common for people to just learn magic in schools in Argentina? You don't see a lot of like independent people learning independently? No, nowadays, there's a lot of people that, of course, learn from internet, that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. But... Still, nowadays, magic school in Argentina have huge popularity, huge popularity, because also 90% of the cases, they are school and store. Mm-hmm. So people that learn from internet, they have to go to buy a deck yeah. of cards, coins, math, whatever they, they have. So they end uh, going to, to school. Well, tell me a little bit, you mentioned Tony Slidini going through Argentina because via Italy, because yeah. that's where I think of him as being from, is from Italy before he ended up in New York. Uh, but w- what was his influence on Argentinian magic? Yes, well, in Argentinian magic, you can see a lot of inflation from Tony Slidini. Of, we have a lot of close-up magic, you know? Yes. When Slidini came, he first came to, to live in Argentina a couple of years, then he went back to, he went to the States, he has uh, all his career, mm-hmm. and then he came back to Argentina uh, because one magician called Master did very huge, big conventions and he came to, to Argentina and people who saw uh, Slidini live in Argentina said one of the biggest things they ever saw in their life. And wow. in, in Argentina, also, there is a big culture because uh, Tamaris came almost every year to Argentina. Oh, really? Since the 70s, since he won the, the, the fishing champion, yeah. he came almost every year to, to Argentina. So imagine, you have... We're talking maybe 30 years ago when yeah. it wasn't so common to see magicians like like that in South America yeah. to to receive 
eh, Juan Tamariz in Argentina was huge. So imagine, Tony Laidini, close up mm -hmm. uh, master. Tamariz every year, close up master. So we have a lot of influence of that kind of uh, mm -hmm. magicians. And we are forgetting about René Laban. Oh, of course. We have René Laban, a lot of people. <laughs> we know we can go even close to René Laban, mm -hmm. but we love to do close up like he, he, like he, he used to do. Yeah. Although he was very poetic and maybe stage more than a close-up because he used to work in big, big theaters. Is, I think that's that's something that I, I think gets overlooked a lot is René Levant did work just giant theaters with people. Exactly, yes. W what what is René Levant's lasting effect been on Argentinian magic? Do, does like do, does the average citizen in Argentina are familiar with yes, René Levant? Yes, René Levant did a lot of TV programs in Argentina. People, mm -hmm. maybe they don't know the name René Levant, mm -hmm. but they all, always know, oh yes, there was a magician using only one hand that he was incredible I used to sit in on TV he say his phrase no se puede hacer más lento you know, he said and it was awesome to because that kind of magicians helps to grow the, the magic in the world and in Argentina because yeah. it's like a reference uh, René Laban lived from Buenos Aires in a city called Tandil that is maybe 400 kilometers from Buenos Aires and he has his house you can go to visit his house mm -hmm. now to, nowadays it's like a museum you can go to there to visit that. yeah I just uh, we just had um, Adrian Lacroix Lacroix yeah. Uh, yeah he was here and he did a project on uh, René Levant it was the, like a, a documentary the yeah the, the Bosco Shuffle no? the, yes the yes yeah. that's it uh, if you're listening to this there will be a link in the comments below uh, where you can go check that out on Penguin's website but I didn't realize that René Levant house had been elevated to like the status of a museum yeah 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 it's crazy uh, for example there is a, a filmmaker called uh, in Argentina uh, he made a movie called El Gran Simulador mm -hmm. and it's a documentary only about René Laban all about his life and it's awesome if you have the chance you can find it on YouTube yeah. it's called El Gran Simulador and you can find it it's from Néstor Frenkel a filmmaker from Argentina and it's crazy the the life that René has is is awesome. Well, I guess tell me about the lasting impact of Fantasio because for me Fantasio is synonymous with candles and that's really all I know unfortunately. I, I wish I was better educated, but what is <laughs> what is Fantasio's lasting impact on Argentina? Well, Fantasio in Argentina maybe is the magician that people love the most because he has such a great heart beyond the, the great magic that he can perform, beyond that he performed in Ed, Sull Ed Sullivan show the yeah. same day as the Beatles. Beyond <laughs> <laughs> I do, oh, I do remember that. that it's an amazing story because the Beatles come out and do rock and roll and, the, and they just set the world on fire and everyone forgets the magician who had to follow the Beatles on the Ed Sullivan show was Fantasio. That's, that's crazy. And Fantasio, apart from what we were saying, he was a great uh, magician, he has a huge heart. I have a lot of uh, anecdotes with, with Fantasio. For example, this he was at Bad Magico and there was a magician that he was uh, maybe six months studying magic and he went to talk to Fantasio oh Fantasio can I get a picture yes sure have mm -hmm. a picture can I have an autograph yes and that guy told Fantasio I'm doing a routine but I don't know how to do it because I'm using this kind of ring but maybe I needed something different oh I see Fantasio was living on the United States then I went to the United States I talked to Fantasio and he said wait Martin I have something for you and he came and he gave it to me. This ring I found here in the United States. Go and find this uh, young man that 
told me he wow. has a routine about a ring. Yeah. He remembered that, you know, and that all the time he do things like that. He was... Uh, How an, much time between you telling him that you were working on this routine and then meeting him again in the States? What to pass? Like... Seven months, eight oh, months. Oh, seven months, yeah. 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 So, right. f- a, like, a, enough time that he could have easily forgotten. Of course, yes, yes. But he was, uh, like, but that kind of details all the time. All the time has those kind of, of details. He was a great, great, great person. He was uh, amazing. And he, of course, went a lot to Argentina. And another thing very good about Fantasio, he went to see all the magic shows he can. He went mm-hmm. in Argentina. There was a show only in a place for 10 people. He wants there to see that show. Bar Magico, he wants there to see that show. Any show about magic, he went to see that kind of show. He was uh, a true master. Oh, it's incredible. Well, we're about out of time, but I have to say, like, every one of my experiences with Argentinian magicians, between you, Adrian, uh, 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 why am I, I'm having trouble with his name right now, but um, uh, with the multiplying pipes. Uh, oh, Juan Pablo. With Juan Pablo. Wow. Uh, we, we continue to, how could I forget Juan Pablo's name, but, <laughs> but we continue to have these amazing magicians up from Argentina who just crush it, and it sounds like I need to spend some more time studying Argentinian magic because that might be the next sort of school of magic for us to look to. <laughs> Hopefully. That's incredible. Uh, well, uh, Martin, thank you so much for joining us here on the Penguin thank Magic Podcast. We'll My have pleasure. to have you back soon. My pleasure. Hope you soon. That's going to do it for this week, kids. Thanks so much to Martin for joining me on the show, and thanks to you for listening. Martin Braeses' live lecture is on pre-order right now, and it's amazing. You should go check it out. He does a thing with a matchbox that completely fooled me. Next week on the show, Craig Petty comes back on the show to discuss being the very first performer in the brand new P3 Magic Theater. Y'all, as I am recording this right now, I am here to tell you that the man behind Craig Petty's Magic TV is an absolute beast. I can't wait for you to see his performance because that dude is a monster. Also, keep an eye on our YouTube channel because the Penguin Magic Awards are dropping this Friday and we can't wait to announce the winners. As always, we're a weekly podcast, so be sure to like and subscribe as well as share your favorite episodes on the social media platform that you've been seeing people perform the vanishing card on. If you wanted to reach out to me about anything on this week's show, talk to Craig Petty. We filmed 10 million projects with him this week, and I am dog tired, but he just keeps going. That man is a machine. But if nonstop magic isn't your thing, you can always reach out to me on Instagram at Eric Tate. That's at E-R-I-K-T-A-I-T. From me and everyone else here at the P3 Magic Theater... Practice, practice, perform.